Three, two, one. That's right. You're listening to the It's My Time podcast, a recording of the experiences, past and present of everyday people. Yes, indeed. And, 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 and now, here's your host, the one, the only, Asher Chua. Hey, Charles. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me, man. It's been a long time as we talked about, man, and I'm I'm overjoyed to even be here. For sure, for sure. For people that don't know you, who do you say you are? Oh, man, I I really don't say I'm anybody to be honest. Um, my name is Charles Irving. Um, I am a author, speaker, uh, and coach, life coach. I help um primarily working with men now. I've worked with women before, but in general, helping people. Um, build a better relationship with themselves so that they can change the dynamics in their life and their relationships. Um, so that's pretty much who I am. Um, I'm a father, uh, husband, father of four. Um, and uh, yeah, man, that's that's pretty much it. Awesome. I like it. it and um, just you speaking about being a, I'm about to miss it, but from who you, who you are now, and like mm-hmm. we talked about recently having moved, where did you come from? Like, what's like kind of your, your beginning like? So I was born and raised in Boston. Um, I currently live in the Metro uh, Atlanta area, moved here, uh, kind of mid, uh, pandemic. Uh, my, um, wife and I sold our house in 2020, October, 2020, um, and decided to move to Georgia, um, 2021. So I had, uh, you know, packed up all my stuff, drove down here, kind of got the house and everything situated. My wife and my kids were still in Boston. They had to finish school. And then I flew up uh, in July and got them and, you know, drove them down here. So we've been down here, man, for about a, a year and four months. It's been, it's been amazing. It's been a beautiful, um, it's a beautiful place to live, man. I love it. You still reminisce about Boston? Nah, not at all. Um, I was, my uncle and my brother, I was talking to them in my uncle had asked me, he's like, you know, how do you, how do you like it? I was like, man, I, I love it. I haven't thought about Boston since I got, um, in fact, I went to my brother-in-law's wedding in July. Uh, so it would have been a year removed. And soon as I got there, I was like, man, I got to get out of here. <laughs> I got to get out of here. Like, you know, Boston's more, I won't say more fast paced, um, than Atlanta in terms of like the, the, the aggressive nature that we have in, in, things of that nature. It was like, soon as I got there, man, I started cussing, beeping my horn, telling people to move out the way. God, I was like, yo, what is wrong with me? Like, what the? It was crazy. I was like, yo, I got to get up out of here. We went to a supermarket and like, soon as you walked in, you could mm-hmm. feel, you could just feel anger. Like, I was like, yo, what, what is that? Like, you could, you could feel it. You could see it. I was just like, yo, I got to get out of here. This is not, this ain't it. Like you don't, you don't feel that when you go to Publix, like you don't feel no anger. It's just like, it's crazy, man. But you know, the, 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 the level of poverty that, um, is in those places, you understand why people are angry, but I was like, man, I got, I can't, I gotta get out of here. This is crazy. I'm ready to go home. Yeah. It's <laughs> that funny. Was, you know I mean, that's my home and I'm like, I'm ready right. to go home. Like, so George's home, man. Yeah. I guess we got that Southern hospitality for you. Bruh. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's cool. Cause my family's from here. My grandmother's side and my father's side of the family, um, are both from here. So all my aunts, they live in Covington mm. 
And I used to live here 22 years ago. Um, I, I was in Conyers for about six to eight months and God called me back to Boston. So that was the only reason why I left was because I had given my life to Christ. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yo, you got to go back. And I was like, man, I'm not trying to go back <laughs> there. Like, you know, but eventually I left. Yeah. Jonas syndrome. Yeah, man. I was not trying to go back, but he called me back. And, um, you know, here we are 22 years later. He brought me back to Georgia and I think I'm here to stay. Nice. Well, welcome. And it's funny with the work that you do, it almost makes sense that you would um, take better care of yourself and move to somewhere that's more suitable where you're not like basically tasting animosity in the air once you walk into a place. (laughs) Bro, I had never experienced anything like that. You don't know what you don't know until you are in a different environment. You can't feel it when you're in it. Like I grew up there. I mean, you might sense like that. These people are upset, but you don't feel the full weight of it until you are in a completely different environment and then go back. And then you're like, whoa, I didn't know it was like this. I didn't know I was, this is where I was living. Um, and this is what I was experiencing this whole time. So, you know, I'm fortunate um, to have uh, the the means and the opportunity to be able to you know, leave. So it's been a blessing, man. It's been a blessing. That's awesome. I guess how, how the, um, how's your family come to like Georgia with it being a, just over a year? Well, I think they, I think they, they really like it. Um, my wife's telling me how, you know, they felt like they were really kind of ready to leave anyways. Um, the only thing that I think they really concerned with is, you know, their friendships, you know, they, they have friends that they really friendships that they developed when they were out there. Um, and I think this is the cool thing about technology because they're still able to be in contact with their friends, although not physically, they can still right. talk to them on the phone. They can still, you know, FaceTime them and everything. But once they kind of got friendships out here, they were good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like they still, you know, from time to time want to, you know, go visit. But mm-hmm. I think, I think they like the idea of having their own room <laughs> mm-hmm. more than anything. So it's cool, man. It's real cool. That's awesome. And I, I guess with it being during the pandemic times, has it been, was it easy, an easy move, like selling the house, relocating and all that? Or was it like a bit of a hassle or anything? No, not by by any means of the imagination, only because um, the the state that my marriage was in was was in trouble. Right. You know, my wife and I had separated for a year. Um, so we were going through physical separation for all of 2020. Um, the pandemic, I think the pandemic hit March of um, 19. Yeah. Or 20. Uh, March of 2020. 20, right? So, yeah. uh, and then that year, that June, once my kids graduated high school, you know, there's a U-Haul truck in my house. I was sitting in a four bedroom, one bathroom house by myself trying to figure out what just happened. And, you know, so we went through, again, a separation for an entire year. Um, And when we relocated, we relocated here uh, in a physical uh, reconciliation. So it was it was hard, man. (laughs) It was hard. Pandemic and all. Yeah, I guess. If, if you don't mind me asking, can you kind of talk through that, like being physically separated for a period of a year and then like it didn't just happen that like, oh, hey, we're all together now. Happy go lucky. Like, no, no. Um, So, you know, when my wife and I were, you know, contemplating um, separation, uh, it was I mean, I don't really even know where to begin. You know, I'm I'm of the I was of the mindset that you know, separation is divorce. And for me, that was just a no-go. Um, I couldn't see how God wanted this to happen. Like it didn't make sense to me at all. Uh, but I think, 
you know, one of the things that I promised myself was that I wouldn't run. You know, I had I had years of experiences where when times got tough, not just in my relationship with my wife, but, you know, just growing up. You know, when times got tough, I ran, you know, I backed down. I, I, I would I would not give my all. It wasn't really a back down. It was just that I wasn't putting my all into something. Right. Kind of a preservation. Yeah. Due to self-preservation. Right. This fear that you're going to lose something or you're whatever it may be. But I said, you know what, whether we make it or not, I'm going to make sure that I give myself the opportunity to go through the process, whether we get a divorce or not. And so one of the things that was concerning was my relationship with the kids. Um, they are biologically not my children, but they're my children, but my responsibility. I like what my brother-in-law said um, when I asked him, you know, how he, because he has children that are not biologically his. And I said, you know, as, as a man who understands taking care of kids that are not biologically yours, where did that come from? He said, my father always told me, if you pay for them, you take care of them, they're yours. So I was like, wow, I really, really appreciated that. Um, because of, although I didn't say that to myself, it was always, you know, understood within me. If I take care of you, you mind. And that didn't just go for the children that I married into. I was a dean of culture for middle school. So I treated those kids like they were mine. You know what I mean? As long when you're in my presence and I'm responsible for you, you're mine. Um, so the, I know that distance can create a barrier. It can create a void. Um, so one of the things that I committed to doing with my two youngest children were I would just go see them every Monday and just go get ice cream every Monday. I think I may have missed one or two Mondays in that entire year. Um, but every week, you know, I, I went and got them and just hung out with them for a little bit. And, uh, you know, still talked to my wife. And, and it was hard because her mom got sick during COVID. She ended up losing her life due to COVID. My wife got COVID um, a couple times. Uh, the second time she was so disoriented, you know, but I couldn't do anything to help her. Uh, it was it was a challenge, man, um, just trying to maintain a, a sense of normalcy um, in that situation. But the only thing that I can say was that it was my commitment to, how do I put this? Keeping a promise to myself about how I was going to act regardless of the situation. And that got me through, you know, that I can't speak for my wife and what helped her, but it was just, I'm committed to, to this process. And, you know, whether it turns out the way I want it to, or if it doesn't, I can say that I maintain my resolve to doing what I needed to do to give the best possible chance yeah. for it to work. So, you know, but we're still here. Yeah. <laughs> we are still here. Right. So, right. Praise God for that. For sure. And, I guess just as you described kind of like through that process, giving yourself a chance to actually go through it, like what's something you, you learned about yourself during that time? Um, I think I think I'm, it's not just something that I learned in that process, but it was it's something that I'm learning even now. Um, when you are in relationship uh, called by God to do certain things, there is certain requirements. And you think the hard times are because someone did something wrong, right? It's not necessarily always the truth. Um, one of the major things that I'm learning is for me, this whole separation thing with my wife and even, you know, the challenges we have now is really about humility. I have to, I had to learn and, and I'm still learning how to humble myself. I didn't know what that was. It wasn't like I was outwardly arrogant or any of that, but there's a gift and a call on my life where, you know, my words are powerful. 
And I didn't know that, right? I had no idea how powerful my words were. I didn't know that the anointing that God had placed on my on my life had empowered my words to do some things that I just didn't know that they did. And because of that, I wouldn't uh, 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 I wouldn't show the kind of restraint, intentional restraint that I needed to when you know that you have power, right? And being the 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 head of this household, the spiritual leader, I didn't understand the position that I had. And really, I mean, and this was, you know, probably within the last couple, couple uh, weeks, kind of looking back and looking at everything. Mm-hmm. It's really the safest place for me and everybody in this house is for me to intentionally take a lower position. And that's what, what humility is. Right. Right. What- I guess, what does that look like? So <laughs> it's funny because it's something that I have to practice. It's a heart posture, right? And I I had uh, was talking about this um, the other day. I was like, well, you know, it's, it's okay. Humility or humble, humbling yourself is to take a lower position. You know what it is definition wise, but what does that look like practically? And it was like, well, it plays, it can play out in many different ways. One of the things that I know it played out in when I'm driving, right? One of the things that I hate is for somebody to cut in front of me. I don't like people in front of me. And don't say. <laughs> <laughs> right? And it was like, yo, humble yourself. And I was like, humble myself. Let them go first. And I was like, oh, that's a practical. So I started practicing when people were trying to get in instead of speeding up so they can get behind me, I would let them go in front of me. It's like, that's a practical way of humbling yourself. And one of the other things that came up was uh, Stephen Covey in his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He talks about um, uh, the fourth principle, I think, is uh, seek first to understand, then to be understood. Well, I never got this until, you know, recently seeking first to understand is you taking the time to understand someone first and then, you know, positioning yourself to be understood. But again, it's basically putting them first. The Bible right, talks right. about, you know, not thinking more highly of, of yourself than, your, than you ought, you know, considers others needs before your own. Mm-hmm. Let them go first. That's hard when you have a poor self-image. Right, right. I was going to say, it, it almost seems counterintuitive when you're trying to give yourself a chance and you're trying to actually, if you're someone that easily gets walked all over, you would think like, oh, now I've got to go on the complete of opposite. And a lot of times people that come from like a spiritual background or a Christian background, that would be like, I'm doing this to serve. It's like that can get kind of muddied very quickly if you're not clear on what your intentions are and what it actually means to serve. Well, that's the thing, right? It's we, we only focus on the act of, of serving. And I remember again, going back to, it's not just the, what you do, it's why you do it. That's what God says, man looks at the outside. In other words, man looks at what you do. I'm looking at your heart posture. And it's like, I I had this revelation and I recorded it where I realized that I was accepting bad behavior all in the name of trying to be like Christ. Because I looked at his death on the cross as, well, I'm being like Christ. I'm, I'm sacrificing. And he was like, yeah, but why did I sacrifice? I wasn't yeah. sacrificing just to let somebody walk all over me. Right. Someone said, uh, 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 sacrifice is giving up something good for something greater. There was a reason for why I did what I did. And here's the other thing. I only did it once. 
Right. And I didn't understand that the reason why God was able to give his life. There's a there's a, a part of the Bible where he's on the cross and they say to him, if you're really, you know, God, why don't you come down from this cross? And there's a scripture that says, for he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And it was like, well, why didn't he get off that cross? He didn't He didn't get off the cross because he knew he was God. See, I don't need to prove it to you by getting off this cross. In fact, if I get off this cross, it's a wrap for you. I don't need to prove it. And since I don't need to prove it, I know that I'm God. I can stay on this cross and accept your treatment so that you can have a relationship with the father. That's the reason why Jesus died. Jesus didn't die necessarily because he loved us. He just, he died because he loved the father. He wanted to reveal who God really was. That was his only mission. And when I looked at that, it was like, oh, if you know who you are, you don't have to prove it. And because you don't have to prove it, you can accept this behavior. You can act. It's not even accepted. You're, you can take the lower position because the lower position is not going to change who you are. Jesus knew you crucifying me is not going to change the fact that I'm God so I can stay on this cross. So when it says dying to yourself or 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 um, uh, uh, picking up your cross, that's hard to do when you don't know that you picking up your cross and following Christ won't change the fact that he you are who he says you is. If you can understand that, right, I am who God says I am, then what they do to me won't change that. Right. So that's one thing that I learned. The other thing that hit me recently was we have such a desire in a to be enough that we spend all our time talking about, you know, I'm enough, I'm worthy, so forth and so on. And I remember, so I spent thousands of dollars in a program, over tw- over $20,000 in a program, and I didn't really do much with it. And at first I was, I was upset with the, the person um, who ran the program. I was like, man, I felt like, you know, I was not necessarily cheated, but it didn't provide what they said it was going to provide. And then it was like, okay, we're not blaming people. That's not what we're doing. So I said, okay, God, what, why didn't this work? What, what happened? And he said, he showed me how my desire to be enough kept me from allowing myself to be coached. Why? Because I want to prove that I'm enough for someone who is enough, right? Who has to be enough. They won't seek out help. Why would you seek out help if you're enough? It's like, oh, okay. And then what I saw, he was like, you have a hard time accepting that you're not enough. That's the problem. And because you can't accept that, you strive to be enough. So you're going to do this on your own. You're going to find it. You're going to find the solution. You've been doing that your whole life. You didn't have it. You figured out a way to get it. But this time it was like he wouldn't allow me to get it. And what did that do? Me not having what I needed or me not being enough, guess what I did? I went and asked him for help because I couldn't figure out why it wasn't working. But the dope part was as I sat there, Usher, I mean, uh, Asher, I called you Usher. <laughs> as I sat there allowing that truth to take root, I said something that was completely life-changing. I thought about my wife. I thought about all the things that I did all in the spirit of trying to be enough. Let me take care of this financial challenge. Let me do this for, let me do that for. All of it was rooted in me trying to be enough, trying to prove that I was enough of a husband, trying to prove I was enough of a a, a good man, trying to prove I was enough as a father. Just everything is, you're doing this to, to be enough. Very and as I sat there, yeah. And I sat there and I said, oh, wow. It was like the truth hit me. The reason why I'm doing all this is because I'm not enough. 
But that's the thing. I'm trying to be enough because I won't accept the truth. The truth is I'm not enough. And that's okay. What is that? That was such, it means, so being enough means that I can meet, I am in and of myself, am able to meet every standard possible. I'm not, Hmm. I can't. And what ended up happening was this revelation I got was that it wasn't that not being enough, right? Like if you're not enough, you have to, it's not that you're telling yourself that you're not enough. That's not the issue. The issue is that you're not okay with not being enough. But is it about being enough for somebody else or being enough for yourself? Period. Either way. When you're not enough for yourself, you try to derive a sense of being enough for someone else. Right. Right. Because if I can do something for them and they're pleased, then that proves to me that I'm enough. Right. I guess they're they're connected. Right. right. I guess if we could kind of unpack this a little bit, because I I think I could get down, I could get lost down the road of semantics, so to Mm -hmm. speak, because it's like when you speak about being enough, people talk about self-love self-care like mental health has been a thing that's been very big and i think there's a like there's a clear i think there should be some clear differences but also it's like to your point i I was reading this this book called the power of ted and when you Mm -hmm. said coach that kind of sparked something in my mind because it, it talks about two orientations one being the victim orientation and two being the empowerment or the creator orientation. And in that, it's like not being enough or seeking to be enough. It's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy where you're in this drama triangle where it's like, okay, if you're not enough, there is um, something persecuting you or something that's driving you to say, okay, this validates that I'm not enough. And then this over here, this I am right. So it's like, Mm -hmm. this does, this doesn't, this does, this doesn't, this does, this doesn't. And it's like, you're constantly going in that loop. And then what they say about the empowerment triangle. And I I got this from um, friend, Nancy Graby, a friend of my, um, a friend of my friend, my mom's (laughs) friend from college that I played ultimate Frisbee with, but she's a great counselor coach for both parents and, and kids. But the empowerment dynamic talks about operating from a creator standpoint to um, being able to look at the outcomes that life brings you differently and being able to be coached or to see coaches in your life that would encourage you to be more of that and also seeing challengers or things that might deconstruct some of the notions that we build up and also um, challenge you to build something better. So it's like when, when you talk about being enough or not being enough, I guess I look at it as back to the question that you asked, like, why are you doing that? Like, what what does enough mean? Is it, okay, I've got to be a man or I've got to be the man? Is it a stature thing? Is it a humility thing? Kind of like we talked about, because a lot of people want to serve or do services. And it takes me back to a the No More Mr. Nice Guy book, where it's like people that are quote unquote, nice, create these covert contracts where it's like, I'm going to do enough of this <laughs> to where I become enough of that. And then if I do that, I'll get this, but I won't overtly communicate that to anybody. I'll just figure it out in my head. And then somehow or another, it's just going to work out by 
faith, but that's, that's also, I don't, that's like, it's like a misuse. Right. Right. And I feel like a lot of times if it's not clear what's what, then people can kind of just like mix and match something and be like, oh yeah, this, I just had this revelation. And it's like, let, let's break that down a little bit more so that you're clear on what you're saying and you're not trying to, not you, like, no, 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 I get it. It's like, because people will say things where it's like, like, most people regurgitate what they hear. Right. 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 And for me, it was recognizing the reason for why you are doing what you're doing is to be enough. Mm. That's because you believe that you're not enough. But it's not just that it's because you believe that you're not enough. It's because you can't accept the truth that you're not enough. You can't accept it because you can't accept it. You go, I'm no, I'm going to prove I'm enough. I, I'm going to go and get the degrees. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and do. I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And because you can't accept the truth that you were not created to be the end all be all. You were not created to have the answer for every question. You were not created to be God. Right. But I guess people may confuse trying to be God with trying to answer critics that maybe told them that they can't do or they they don't have the capacity to. And it's like, I think that's where things again get blended where it's like, okay, you got to get down to the bottom of what the the narrative is or the story or where the story comes from. Because to your point, it's like somebody may get degreed in a sense of like trying to outrun the not being enough versus like, okay, I see a good example of what I can be. Or I'm not in a constant state of like shock, trauma, panic to where it's like, oh, there's something good that I saw. Like a lot of people aspire to be athletes or musicians or like, yeah, there are people that aspire to be scientists and other things. But then certain people or the way that people even talk, it's like some people have like, like you were saying, being in an environment, like you don't really get to see anything else until you leave that environment for as long as you've been there and be able to come back. Like, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are just stuck, but it's like, I really hope that what you're saying, it's like, let it permeate for a minute and just understand that not being enough, it's not a condemnation of your character. Correct. That's that's the whole point for me. And and, it, and it's 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 in pieces. Right. Like you said, you have to distinguish. There is the I'm not enough, but it's not the focus on because people will be like, oh, that's such a negative way to look at yourself because you're missing the other part. That's OK. The, that's OK. Part was the most important part because it was about acceptance. The issue was I couldn't accept that. I wasn't going to have all the answers. Mm-hmm. I couldn't accept that I wasn't going to be able to do all the things. I couldn't accept that I wasn't going to meet all the expectations because I couldn't accept that. I spent my time trying to do that. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, whoa, wait a second. The power is in being able to accept. I don't have to be enough. Like, imagine what happens when you remove the idea that you actually have to be all these things, that you have to meet all these standards. Well, I guess maybe I'm still getting tripped up a bit because mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like being enough of who you already are. What does that mean? Just being like you are who you are. Like you what now I want to I want I want you to I want to challenge Right, right. Right. I want you to do what you asked. I want you to. What does it mean when you say who you are? What does that even mean? When I say who I am, that is having an understanding of where I'm at right here sitting with like what what I'm doing. 
like being conscious in this in this talk to be like okay i'm i'm thinking i'm talking to you i'm not thinking about what i've done i'm not thinking about what i'm going to do i'm not thinking about what right i have to be here i'm simply operating in this moment so i'm not considering mean, anything outside of this and i'm not seeking to provide anything aside from just being in this experience so what i hear you saying is and you correct me if i'm wrong this is mm -hmm. what i'm hearing the way you describe who you are is being able to be present yes okay is being able to practice the art of being present the same as who you are being an identity uh, I don't understand the question. Ask one more time. So the question that so we have two different we have and and I'm loving this because it's like we got to pull this stuff apart. Yeah. When yeah. we ask the question, who are you? Mm -hmm. Right. What's the first thing people don't say your first name? They say your, name. your title or your title. Yeah. Right. These are all characteristics of your identity. Mm -hmm. So when you say being who you are and I ask you. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? And you describe being able to be present. Mm -hmm. This is where the disconnect comes in, because if your definition of who you are is the art of being present. But when I ask you who you are, you tell me characteristics of of your identity. Then which one are we talking about? Can they not be both? The art of. Well, that's what. So for me, mm -hmm. being present is not mm -hmm. the same as your identity. Are we are we talking um, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't, so that's why the, I'm asking you, no, right. no, no, that, that's why I'm asking you, right. because for me, being present is something that you do where you're, you have the ability to not think about the past or the future. You can be present in the moment, right. right? And experience all mm -hmm. that you're experiencing. That's okay. what it means to be present. Right. When what you, you said, do versus what you are. So, right. Like, okay, that's what you can do. Mm -hmm. But who are you is a different thing. That's talking about your identity. When you look at a license, mm -hmm. a license has your height, your weight, your eye color, your hair color. It has descriptions to uh, or characteristics that mark you and separate you from somebody else. True. But I mean, so that's why I'm asking you. Yeah. What do you mean by that? What do I mean by who am I? Yes. In light of the question that you just asked and I forgot the question. <laughs> oh, you're saying like the, the, okay. No, the question I was asking just to unpack, what does being enough mean and distinguishing being enough as an individual person, like mm -hmm. understanding that outside of anyone else or anything that you do, kind of like you were saying before, it's like that has to be sufficient for you to kind of start to understand who you are or like what what your role is in life because if you're constantly trying to prove and well I mean you we do perform in a sense like if you have a job yeah 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 you're yeah, graded yeah. on your performance in order to kind of meet some kind of progression like one thing I don't want to do is to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like Correct. that that's the point of us kind of asking the question to say, okay, let's separate what we're saying in a sense to like, we don't, have, we don't have to agree, but the clarity helps because it's like when we talk about relationships earlier, a mentor of mine gave me this, this mantra to kind of remember. And she said that ships come in over a calm sea, like literal ships. 
Mm-hmm. And like, if you break down the word relationship, it's like, how does, if you're in relation, if I'm in relation to you, like how, how, how do we relate? Like right now we're relating intellectually, we're right. relating through conversation and we're able to have this talk because we're um, kind of in this, we're in the, we're in the same headspace. Like if we were frustrated or mad with each other, it's like, there wouldn't be that, that calmness and it would just be choppy. So for, for me, I say that to say, when I look at the term enough culturally, I think, or from what I'm understanding, because also me having kind of like that outsider perspective, always kind of looking in and people talk about like the culture or the, this or the, that. And it's like, I'm, trying to understand what that means it's like it's a it's a series of groupthink it's a series of expectations really unrealistic or assumed or fabricated or this that and the other and it's like i hear what you're saying when you say it's a lot of the things that we strive for they can almost like trying to be the man you can almost become a victim of that where it's like if you're trying to reach a standard and the goal keeps getting moved like you're trying to run a play or you're trying to like shoot a basket or hit a target or something, but somebody keeps moving the target. It's like you're you're never going to get there where someone's constantly moving the target. And I don't think the right answer is to say, OK, well, yes, the right answer is to say that's not a game I want to play where someone is constantly moving my targets. That doesn't give me anything to aim at. Because it's like, okay, if you're dealing with someone or if you're even dealing with yourself and your thoughts and it's like hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold. It's like, at what point do I get to settle in what I'm thinking and to be like, okay, yes, I don't have to have all the answers or, hey, I can be confident that knowing this and working at something regardless of what it seems to anybody else like that should be sufficient for what I'm doing right now I don't need to have like heart palpitations and panic to be like I don't know the answer to that but it's like I do know the answer to how to reach out to you or like how to talk in a sense that okay if it makes enough sense for a bit we have a conversation if it doesn't make sense it's like okay like go through your troubleshooting process, so to speak. (laughs) But then it's like, if I find myself doing more, like over explaining in a sense, than just being like, I don't know what's going on and I can't figure it out. So Mm. maybe I can just stop, breathe and kind of let go of that for a moment. Mm -hmm. Like if you come back and tap me on the shoulder and be like, hey, what's up? And it's like, oh, hey, like, I don't know, I blacked out or didn't know what was going on. But like, now I'm kind of cued back in. Yep. I don't yep. know if I, I hope I kind of like painted in between what we were saying. Well, it's kind it's of like, one of those things where, like you said, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? You don't want to have this confusion where at least what I'm hearing is, yeah, you don't want to have this confusion where it's like, oh, we should just go around telling ourselves that we're not enough. Right. Because right? I, I feel like when you say being enough, like being enough of what, like like, I think that's the thing, right? So in terms of, in terms of when we think about the idea of being enough, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't actually sit down and break that down. We just, okay. it's something that we feel. Well, right? okay. And that's the other thing when like the, another thing that as we talk about thinking, the thing mm-hmm. that I, I've found myself trying to do more and more is to, even though I notice generalized characteristics, I've tried to make it or even ask you, like I'm asking now, it's like, mm-hmm. can you speak from the first person so that I can understand your viewpoint on it? 
to where I don't prejudge or something to be like, oh no, I, I, I don't think like that. Like, is that is that fair? Yeah, 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 yeah. So the reason why I, 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 I you know, my perspective is rooted in what I'm, sh- what I've experienced um, throughout my coaching, right? So, and it's just the way I that I speak. <laughs> Um, the no, and here's why, because I'm sharing with you what I believe and I'm not going to do the politically correct thing and say, well, this is what I feel. Mm. It's not what I, that's not, that's not me. Mm. It would be inauthentic for me to be like, well, I'm going to just say this because it's not going to offend. I don't really care if it offends anybody else. Right. 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 This is what I believe. Okay. You can, if, if we're talking about relating, mm-hmm. we're going to relate on the truth. Right. And the truth is, this is what I believe. <laughs> so when I speak, I speak from a place of this is what I believe, not from a place of, well, this is just my viewpoint. No. Okay. okay. Right. So um, when I, when I share this it's because this is what I actually believe um, my son, we were having a conversation, uh, my youngest son, and he gets on himself a lot when he doesn't do something correct. Right. I'm teaching him how to play basketball. I've been teaching him how to shoot for, you know, a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. And I know when he is actually putting in the effort to shoot, but I also know when he's thinking, right, he's being more mechanical. Mm-hmm. So I have to tell him like, no, just let it fly. Just, you know, get into a rhythm. And I said, you know, I had asked him the other day, I said, you know, um, I don't know if I asked him the question or if I just had a, you know, a conversation with him about it, you know, just this idea of him being a failure. I said, my, my concern is uh, you're going to grow up, you know, struggling with, with failure. And, and I need you to be able, be able to handle it. I said, how do you feel when you don't do something right? He's like, you know, I feel like I'm all, I'm really hard on myself and I feel like I'm not doing enough. And I said, yeah, that's my concern. My concern is that you believe something that's, you know, I get on you. I, it's not, I correct things that you're doing because I'm trying to train you to ask yourself certain questions, not because I'm trying to tell you that you're doing something wrong because I'm not going to always be around. I tell you all the time, my job is to make sure that you don't need me. But to to do that, I have to put you through situations that may be uncomfortable. So when I ask you certain questions or when I tell you to do certain things, it's because I'm trying to get you to think your way through so that when I'm not around, you have a process. He's like, okay. I said, but the other thing is that when you fail, or I like to call it fall short, right? of meeting the expectation that you set on yourself. The the truth is, is that you're trying to meet my expectation because I want you to get the shot in. You're mm-hmm. not trying to meet your expectation. And I get it. You're younger, right? I said, but I, I always want you to know just because you fail doesn't make you a failure. To distinguish it, I use the word fall short, right? Just because you fell short doesn't mean you're a failure. I said, son, there are times you can do everything right and it still doesn't work out. You did everything right. And it's still, the ball still didn't go in. I said, we're playing outside. You, all your mechanics were perfect and the ball still didn't go in. Why? Because there are things that you have no control of. You couldn't control the, the sun being in your eye. You couldn't control the wind blowing at the last second. You can't control that. So there are times where you are going to do something and you did everything right. And it still wasn't enough because there are things that are outside of your control that play a part in the outcome of a situation. And you can't control that. And you have to be able to you have to be able to be okay with that. Mm. Control what you can control to the best of your ability. But recognize there are things outside of your control that affect all this and you can't do anything. So when I'm talking about being 
okay with the fact that you're not enough, right? It's not Mm -hmm. from a negative standpoint. It's from a standpoint of know that you don't have all that you need to have to do the thing. You're probably going to get a peak when you play on a team, right? You play Mm -hmm. on a, I play basketball for years. One of the best experiences I had was coming off the bench because I had to humble myself. I was just as good, if not better than many of the starters, but I had an experience where me being able to have individual accolades took a backseat to just being able to bring the best of myself to the team, right? I couldn't do all the things that everybody needed to do to win the game. I wasn't required to. I didn't need to. And me accepting that was allowing me to be able to say, what is it that I can do that will at, uh, 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 have a positive impact on this team? Mm-hmm. My job coming off the bench was to play great defense uh, and increase the score, right? That that was the, it was three people that came off the bench. That was our job. Play mm-hmm. great cre- defense and increase the score. That's it, right? I didn't have to be uh, uh, do what my boy Ryan Kent did. He was six foot eight, right? Mm-hmm. He was the main scorer. I didn't have to score 28 points a game. I didn't, I didn't, if I felt like I needed to do that, then not doing that, I would feel like I wasn't enough mm-hmm. because I, I believe that that's what I needed to do. And it's like, you're not enough to, to do, you're, you, you are not enough to do all five positions. Mm-hmm. You're not, but that's okay. Cause you're not, you're not supposed to. Right. Right. It's, it's the acceptance, not from a negative standpoint, that you're not enough is recognizing that no, I don't have to be because that's the whole problem. I'm trying to be all five positions right by myself. It's like, no, that you, <laughs> you don't you don't have to be. You, right. you weren't even created to be. And that took for me, right? It took the weight and the pressure of trying to be enough because the message that I believe, right, was that. To be enough, I had to excel at everything. I had to be, and it was just like, I was constantly seeing that I couldn't. Yeah. But the issue was that I believed that I was supposed to. Right, right. And to to your point, before I cut you off and you were saying we, it's like that that is relevant. And it's like, I think I was wrong to cut you off in the sense of like me wanting to hear it in my in my own way to be like, oh, speak from the first person. But it's like, no, there is that sense of you are taught in a sense that um, you have to be great at everything. And it's like, that's why you have a, a superstar. But it's it's funny. I was just reading this um, passage from this book called um, Holding a Blank on It. It's, no, it's, a, a, it's a knight's tale, but the chapter in it is called Cooperation. And mm. the way that it's being told is that you have someone comes in, it's a son speaking to his grandfather that's supposed to be i guess they're both knights and they have a new friend so he gets like a a stepbrother essentially that comes in and he seems like he's great at everything mm-hmm. and he kind of builds up this resentment to be like oh i can't stand him and i happen to like this girl and now she's falling in love with him it's like oh, i can't win at anything like i just want I want to be the best at everything. And it's like the honesty about it. It's like, let me not conflate these two things. I don't want to say nobody's good at everything, Mm -hmm. but it's like accepting that I personally don't need to be good at everything. It's like it helps to be in your lane, so to speak, and to say, hey, I'm good enough at this. Mm -hmm. But it's like if that being good enough at what you're doing, if that 
becomes the overarching thing. It's like you lose sight of what it is that you're like, you lose sight of what the role is. Like when you said your role coming off the bench was to play defense and increase the score. It didn't matter if it was by one point. It didn't matter if it was by 20 points. It didn't matter if it was, but you know what the metrics of good defense is. Mm -hmm. Like if you're, if they're just blowing through you guys and they're up by 20 points, it's like, you're not, I, I guess that that's where I'm like, okay, was that not enough? to do what you were called to do. And that's, I think the, 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 when that's we talk like about that gray area, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, the standard, right. Yeah. But the standard has to become your own standard. Yeah. If it's, if it's an expectation that someone else has, and you're trying to meet it because you don't want to have conflict with them, right. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to, it's again, it goes back to the intention. Why, why are you doing this? Yeah. Are you doing this because the standard that's this person has is the same standard that you have? Or are you doing this because this is their standard and you're trying to meet that standard? Yeah. That becomes, I mean, that becomes problematic because when you can't meet someone else's standard, uh, uh, you have a tendency of, oh, they're not going to like me. You know, they're, they're, the, whatever abandonment issues that you have, you know, so forth and so on. The question is for me and and how I live my life, you know, and I got away from it. That's a lot of the stuff that happened. It's like <laughs> that was the other thing that I learned. Right. Mm-hmm. God show me. You stop trusting yourself. Mm. You've been doing what you've been doing for 20 years, longer than that. You've been you've been evaluating yourself and coaching and doing all these things since you were eight years old. You, self-awareness has been your thing. Self-improvement since you were eight years old. But you stopped trusting yourself and felt like, well, because this person made more money than you because they did. They knew exactly how to do. Yeah, they knew how to do it for them, but they didn't know how to apply it in your life. You had to figure it out based on you. Right. So it was this understanding of why are you doing what you're doing? Mm -hmm. And when I looked at why I was doing it, my motive was not pure. Mm -hmm. It was I couldn't do this because I had given so much power to someone else. Right. And I couldn't accept like, no, one, the the challenge of getting, you know, coaching, it, it wasn't that I couldn't get the coaching. There mm-hmm. were times where I, I would, you know, ask the questions, so forth and so on. But how the how I was, you know, how things kind of went out, I was just like, you know what, I'm, I'm not getting it. I'm, I'm going to have to figure it out on, on my own. Mm-hmm. But the other part was just, again, being able to accept not the I'm not good enough. It's not a negative Mm-hmm. It's that I'm truthfully in all and in, in the spirit of truth, mm-hmm. in the spirit of truth, based on the definition that I had of what it means to be enough, based mm-hmm. on the bombardment of messages that I had received. Right. And the meaning I had derived from those messages mm-hmm. was to be enough. I had to be great at everything. Right. I that- had to be. I had, it was the definition that I had. Right. That's what I wanted to distinguish because, because I was going to say, I I didn't want to play the, um, like, what is it? We we talked about like the victim role where it's like, okay, it can be liberating. It's like, I guess that's why they call that word dichotomy a funny thing because it's it's like it's a slippery slope or one thing where it can go one or the other but like that being on that edge whatever it is it's like you can, you can go either way you can go either way yeah, but it's yeah, like yeah. being on the edge it's like it's almost like a it's a it's like that the narrow 
walkway. It's like there's so much life in that there, but it's like we spend so much time on the other on the outer edge, <laughs> on the extremes where it's like you don't get anything because it's like initially when I heard you're not enough, like and we talk about mental soundness, I'll call it that, like where it's like, okay, if you've been taught that in order to be great and in order to be enough, in order to just get through school, you have to be the A student. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, if you're not making all A's or if you're making C's and it's like your self-worth is tied to that grade, now you go into this downward spiral and it could be like, okay, no, before you go into that downward spiral, let's, let's understand this. Yes, we can say schools were set up for military. They were set up to just funnel people into factories. Yes, there's a truth to that, but there's also a truth to having um, the attention for what it is that you want to do. Like being clear, again, going back to the attention, like, why do you want to do this? And it's like, if you're getting mixed messages where somebody's telling you, you're never going to use this in your life. Yes, there's there's a high probability that you're not going to use... Algebra? Maybe. Well, (laughs) I was going to say, yes, maybe, but it's like, it's all a matter of what what it is that you do. But like people use things like TikTok or YouTube. Like you see people do these things where they're like, wow, that's amazing. I never knew that. But it's like you could know that if the person that presented you the information did a better job or like like for me personally, being an engineer, it's like, OK, even trying to go back through and understand something like algebra, it's like, OK, here's where it benefits me to use this. This simplifies what I'm trying to do. Otherwise, it's like if you find yourself doing something over and over like a thousand times, it's like there's a better way to do that. That's why we develop these studies and things like that. But maybe algebra isn't the best example. But like no, the reason why the reason why I said that is because yeah, we, you know, back in the day, it was always, you're never going to, I'm never going to use this. Right. But that it's was like, the reason that, why I said that. <laughs> right. Right. But it's like, it's that, it's that like, but then I found out that I actually did use it in life. I was right. like, Oh snap. Like I could use this in life. I didn't realize that. Right. So, but it's like, it's that, it's that narrative that kind of gets passed down where it's like, you're never going to do this. And usually it's like, you don't go into a situation like that unless somebody's already told you, Oh, Hey, like, this like people build up reputation, like professors build up a reputation and they're like, oh, like this person's terrible or this per-. like, yeah, there are people that are not good at their jobs, like from any level in the world. I think I think the and and I have been meaning to say this and I know mm-hmm. why, you know, it's like, can you speak in the first person? I get it mm-hmm. because because I feel like to that point, it's like the reason I when I I've been on this first person kick is because when I feel that people speak in the third person, there's an immediate cop out where it's like, Oh, it's like, everybody's in this. Like, I don't have any responsibility in the say, but it's like, it does apply. And I have to be conscious to actually listen to what's being said and not prejudge and just being like, this is just like that situation. It's like, no, not always. And if it is, I can still bear it. It does. Everything doesn't have to play out exactly how I want it to play out. That's just life. And back yeah, to the it, failure thing. And that's the, that. so it's, it's one of those things where, um, because the, the, the real thing that I'm, you know, dealing with is perception. Mm. Cause that's what we're really, that's the, the real issue is perception. Yeah. I know that. And we were talking and I was going to say that, but it was like, okay, we talk about something else. <laughs> so I knew, you know, what the issue was. It's really, you know, cause that's what I deal with, with, uh, with myself Mm-hmm. My entire life, I've been 
how do I deal with my own perception? I didn't know that that's what I was dealing with mm. until yeah. I read the book, Seven Habits to Highly Effective People. And although he goes through a process of personal development, mm. one of the things that he talks about is a story I was reading because I've read that book like two, two and a half times and I was reading it. And he tells a story of how it all kind of started where he was working on uh, 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 self-fulfilling prophecies. He was doing... Um, uh, uh, workshops for IBM and all these different things. And mm -hmm. his son, right, was uh, into sports, but he kind of, he sucked. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was describing his experience watching his son play. It was like, it's embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And the kids would be like, you know, not the kids, but other parents would be like, this kid's, you know, sucks. Get him out of mm -hmm. here, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, Stephen Covey's defending his his son. Yeah. And then him and his wife got into a conversation and they started talking about, you know, the work that he was doing with IBM. Mm -hmm. And they realized that a lot of the stuff that he was talking about with other people, they weren't necessarily applying in their own lives. And they started to realize that the perception they had of their son wasn't because of their son. Mm -hmm. It was because of the perception they had of themselves. Right. They were more concerned about being considered good parents and trying to get that uh, uh, identity out of the behavior of their child. Mm -hmm. So if my son does well, then that means I'm a good parent. Yep. Right. And I understood that. But what was so life altering for me was the question, well, how do I change my perception? Because that's the foundational issue of all of this. Yep. It's the issue for my character. It's the issue for my relationships. It's the issues for why I couldn't keep a job for longer than nine months. Like this thing about perception. Right. And, you know, people will use the word perception. He uses the word paradigm. Mm, yep, and I yep. studied these three words and I found that they work interchangeably together, but they're three, three different things. Mm -hmm. Your perspective is your point of view, right? So I look at it from the standpoint, if this camera wasn't showing the background, <laughs> right? The only thing that I could see is what's in front of me, right? The perspective that this camera shows is what's behind me, but you can't see anything that's in front of me. I got this plaque on my, on my wall and it's a, a scripture from Jeremiah 1.9 that says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid of discord or discouraged for the Lord, your God is with you. He will be with you wherever you go. I have that. You can't see that. The lens only shows you the perspective that's in behind me. That's all you can see. So if I was to ask you to describe what you see, you would describe all that you see. These are the things that would be important. Right. That's what a perspective does. It highlights what's important to you, right? A paradigm is the you know, the way I describe it is the lens through which you see. We have glad we both wear glasses. Right. So we're not seeing actually through our only our eyes. We're seeing through the lens of these glasses. Well, that represents your your life experience. Yep. Right. We see our present through our past life experiences. Right. That's the lens through which we use to make sense of our current world. Mm. Prime example, you know, when my um uh, uh, uh my, me and my ex-wife, uh, I'm. My second marriage, 
Mm-hmm. Well, me and my ex-wife, uh, when we were together, I found out that she was messing with someone, right? And the way I found out was after she kind of left the house or whatever, and we were still trying to figure out whether or not we were going to get back together. I ended up, she had left her old phone at my house. And God was like, you need to look in that phone. I'm like, I'm not looking in that phone. Like, that's like somebody going through my journal. Like, no, he's like, look, he told me three times. And then when was like, no, I said, look into the phone. I look into the phone because I'm still struggling with whether or not I'm going to go back to her. When I look in the phone, I see text messages from her and two other dudes for a year and a half talking about our marriage, talking about how she's going to sleep with them, all these different things, disrespecting all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, yo, what? I'm, I'm crazy. So here's the thing. Yeah. Years later, I get remarried. My wife, right? When she's on her phone, I get anxiety and I can't figure out where it's coming from. I'm like, I mean, I'm like, I'm like, what is that? I don't get anxiety. What is that? Through prayer and self-reflection, I realized when my wife grabbed her phone, my mind would start thinking about who she might be texting. But that Mm. came from my experience with my ex-wife. When I saw that, I was like, oh, wow, you see your current experience through the lens of your past. And now, so that's your paradigm. Mm -hmm. But what's happening is you are creating a perception of what's happening, right? You are, you're deriving meaning. You are deriving a conclusion about what all this means. This means when to you, this this means she's cheating. This means she's Mm -hmm. talking to some other guy. This means she's, Mm -hmm. that's what you're doing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. Right. So now you're making decisions you're getting upset. You're becoming emotional about something based on the perception you have that came out of the paradigm or the lens through which you saw this experience that was ultimately because of the position that you were standing in or the the perspective that you had. And I was just, wow. But ultimately that's the issue, right? We have to deal with, we have to learn. And and for me, Mm -hmm. that became my work, right? That became my work because in the book, it didn't tell me how to deal with my perception. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's what I need. So I spent years, you know what I mean? I had been dealing with perception for a long time in my mm-hmm. journal, so forth and so on. But if you you have my book, it mm-hmm. deals with a lot. I, like I'm dealing with my own perception, mm-hmm. my perception of others and primarily my perception of self that was causing my perception of other people. So at mm-hmm. the at the foundation of what I do, it's shifting perception by helping people build a better relationship with themselves again so that they can change the dynamic of their life and their relationship. I like that. You brought you brought me back to the start because as soon as you said it, I was like, I don't know why that went over my head. I was looking at you right here and I was like, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. And the point that you make about helping people as you're helping yourself to shift the perspective of the relationship you have with yourself. I think that to your point is very key because um, like you said, having a perspective is just what you see. It's like what's right in front of you, what you're aware of, what you're not aware of. It could also be a perspective, but it's like, but to your point, dealing with the perspective, the perception is, I feel that's how you, you can dealing with the perspective, getting them mixed up. Perspective, paradigm, perception. Yes. Dealing. I feel like having the ability to deal with all three, but even 
just focusing on one that helps you address what it is that you might be dealing with that's past, present, or like future that you could be making up. Mm -hmm. And it's like the ability to actually address it when it comes up instead of like not dealing with it. it it's like it, it just it could create like they say, it's like um, I think Tim says this um, wor worlds create words, create worlds. Yep. And it's like based <laughs> on how stole that from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we all ah, I'm just playing. Right. Right. But I mean, it's like there's so many gems from from the line. And it's just like just having that perspective now for myself. It it helps me rephrase what I say. It helps me be conscious of my words. And like sometimes I might joke with somebody, but I, I've come to understand that like somebody else may not understand what I'm saying. So it's like, don't if I say it, it doesn't make sense. Don't harp on it. So it's like, yeah, I'm learning to move on and not try to get somebody to understand what I understand or get them to see it from my viewpoint, because it's like very much like us being able to just see what's behind us. It's actually a benefit because it's like, for me, there's just, there's just a wall back here. But like for you, I could see like, well, it might be a wall too. I thought that was an opening back there where the picture is, but I was going to say it helps um, sharing your perspective with people that you can trust because then like they can vice versa, like let you know what's going on behind you. And it's like, Correct. if you're, if you're in the right mind frame, you can actually accept that. And I think that like, to your point, being able to do that for yourself and showing people um, how they can deal with their perception or like better understanding their perception is you being that coach to help someone see, hey, this is actually what's going on around you. It might just be you're in this environment and you're not considering like the broader so world at large. Like there's, you have so many more options. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, the, the piece around perception is one of the things that we talk about, but we don't really understand, right? We, again, we use these words interchangeable. We'll say perspective. We'll say, you know, it's just your perspective. The, 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 even our experience with the, um, you know, the request that you had made to speak in the first person, so forth and so on. That experience, right, is a vital part of me coming to an understanding of who I am, right? So who I am is someone who speaks from a place of truly believing what he says. So when when you made that request, right, I was still processing what you were asking me, but it was like, oh, he wants me to kind of like, no, can you at least like speak for yourself? Like, you know what I mean? And not- Well, and was, no, I guess it, it, it was that, but at the same time, it was- it wasn't to say that what you're saying doesn't apply at large, but I was saying like, speak to it in the first person to make it more emphatic because it's like, sometimes I might overthink this to be like, how does somebody else hear this? And to be like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, like it's up to them. Like if somebody misunderstands this, oh, that's on them. But it's like, sometimes it's, it's not on someone else. And it's like, sometimes I right or wrong, I think I do have some sort of responsibility in trying to the best of my ability to kind of draw a framework to oh, be no, like, no, okay, no, no. Yeah. this yeah. this is where where we're at because it's like if that's not drawn and like I I can't count how many times this has happened where it's like somebody will start talking to me and them just seeing my face and just being like, oh, you're a black man, like you and I don't have the same lives or you and I do have the same lives and I'm like, we don't, and it's like <laughs> the fact that you're just making this 
this generalized <laughs> assumption. I'm like, it's not that I'm trying to get the other person in trouble. I'm saying, tell me exactly what you're what you want to tell me yeah. from like your first name. That way it's understood that this is a two person conversation and that when someone else is able to see, oh, two people are allowed to have a conversation. I don't always have to have a conversation with the world at large. Correct. It's like you actually do have a conversation with the world at large when you just bring it to this, like two people talking, because yeah. then it's like you see people and you, you see yourself in other people. But like the fact that you can continue to see yourself, you don't have to get lost in it. And I Correct. think that's what happens when <laughs> I was going to leave this alone. But it's like, in a sense, that's what I feel like happens when um, like going back to what we learn in school, we play like the, the pronoun game. And it's like, like you, I don't want to misstate something because I'm trying to be correct or just to sound popular i'm saying they're like the reason i would say you yours me he them we they uh, like there's a reason words have meanings and like to the point like you said perspective paradigm and perception we came up with three words for a reason it wasn't just to exactly interchange them <laughs> yes it's great exactly it's great alliteration why. but it's yep. like they are different we, things define words for reasons and yes we can relook at them revisit them we create new words it's like that's a it's a beautiful thing to like just be able to flow with it but like you might hear this like when people are freestyling for instance when it's like i'm no freestyler but mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing to hear when someone says something but then when you can like sit down and if you were actually to like write out what they said or you see people break down people's lyrics and you're like, oh, I didn't I didn't know that. <laughs> I, I didn't know all that. I, I'm not subscribing to all that. It's like it. it's that again, it's like the thinking. way that it sound together. Right. But right. What about but what the, it meant? You were like, wait, that's not what I ascribe right. to. Or you're like, you could be like, oh, that's whack. Like the person, they, they were just, they were just putting words together. It's like, blah, 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 blah. It's like the cadence was yep. like catchy, but it's like, what did they really say? And that's like, you look at other things, you're like, wow, like somebody really put pen to paper or they put thought and intention into something to say this. And it's like, those words still ring true because it's like, they, there's like a clear intent with it. And I feel like the reason I, I brought up the, the third person, first person thing, it's like, I think a lot has gotten lost in the sauce, so to speak, yep. because it's yep. like, people would just be like, oh yeah, everybody does this. And it's like, no, like, <laughs> let's not pretend everybody does. It's like, yes, we're an interconnected world. Like everybody wants to get along to like go along to get along. But it's like, no, it, it helps to have those like conflicts. It helps to have like disagreement. It helps to have challenges. And even like when you just said like, it's okay to understand you're not enough. I was like, I was like, what, what does that mean? I'm struggling with like, that. Like, I can, I can right, tell. Right, I'm like, I'm struggling right. with that. And I was and like, do I, do I, do I, hide I can my, see it. let me switch the camera. It's like, don't look at my face. No, <laughs> but it's, it's like, but the, bring it back. That's the beauty of it. Right. It was, it was the beauty of it is that I know that people were going to have a hard time with this because the culture says, no, you're supposed to be enough. But, but then that, Right. Right. And it's Down like, cultural. right. And it's <laughs> like, it's still, that's what it, 
it continues to ring in my ear where it's like, I'm like, am I trying to justify something or am I trying to speak for a perspective that says it's like you need self-esteem, but your self-esteem doesn't need to be based on other people's perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's like those two things are not the same. And our whole identity around being enough or not being enough, right? Mm -hmm. Doesn't come from us. I was just watching. It doesn't come from us. I was just watching a documentary on uh, 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 Netflix called The Minimalist. Mm. And they were talking about how um, marketing works, right? They Mm. will market to you in such a way to create a a deficit in you. Mm. And the deficit is to make you feel like you don't have enough or that you're not enough without this thing. And that thing of you feeling like you're not enough makes you go out and get this thing. Mm. That feeling you have doesn't even come from you. Mm. And it's the thing that's driving you to go and be enough. Or I had a, a, a and had a client who we were, you know, she was talking about going to get to, she felt like an imposter. I was like, okay, well, let's kind of look at that. Like, why do you feel that way? And, you know, she, well, this and this, and, you know, I, I didn't finish this and I didn't do this. And when my, you know, my mom, you know, she's always talking about how my brother did this and. So now we're dating in comparison, right? Yeah. Oh, you're, you're comparing yourself to your brother. Oh, okay. Right. I said, you know, we, we, we dig into it some more and she wanted to go to school to get a degree, to mm-hmm. do the thing that she was doing. I'm like, why did, that doesn't even make sense. Why are you going, why do you want to go to school to do the thing that you're actually already, you already know how it does help me explain that. Mm-hmm. And when it was all said and done, the thing that was driving her was this, idea of not being enough. She felt like if she went and got this degree, she would be enough. And she did that. She, she started to see the pattern Mm -hmm. of all the things that she was doing, all the accolade accolades she was accumulating all in an effort to be enough. Right. And it's also enough for mom. And and that was, that was the, that was the underlying root. Yeah. He was trying to be enough for mom. And it's like, are you okay with where you are right now? Not having all those if, if, if you remove mom's expectations, you remove, would you be okay with who you are, where you are? It's like, yeah. And that's where that, that's for me. It was like, are you, it doesn't mean that you can't go and change your mm-hmm. circumstances. It doesn't mean that you sit in a place of misery. That's not what it means. What it means is I'm okay with the fact that I don't have everything that I need. I'm not all, I'm not, I can't, I'm okay with that. The yeah. issue isn't not being enough. The issue is I'm not okay with it. That's why I can't go and do the things that I want to do, right? For me and live up to my own expectations mm-hmm. because I'm too busy trying to live up to everybody else's. Why? Because I'm not okay with mm-hmm. not being enough. Right. And it's just like, oh, that line, that statement, I'm not enough and that's okay. I just, it just freed me again because my perception was what it means to be enough is I have, and, and I, and, and I didn't, de- I didn't grab this definition out of the air. I'm just mm-hmm. using words to explain the message that I was getting and what I was seeing for everybody else. Mm-hmm. I have, if I'm enough, that means that I can meet every expectation and every standard there is. And you can't. Gotcha. So when I say the truth, I was able to sit with the truth and accept it. I'm not enough. And that's okay because I don't have to be. I don't have to be enough, right? I can be cool with, you know, it doesn't mean I give subpar effort. It doesn't right, mean right. I give so that's not that has nothing right, to but do that, with that, being enough. <laughs> right. It's just that's where that's the thing that kind of 
hangs me up a bit where I'm like, it seems like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy for complacency because it's like, if it's not, because I mean, it's, it's, it would be easier for me to say, mm-hmm. it would be easier for you to accept it. Right. I believe mm-hmm. if I say I'm not enough for you and that's okay because I'm enough for me. Cause then it, you can separate. Right. 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 Because it's separate. like, right. Because I, I guess the thing, the thing I'm, I'm trying to, under, the thing I'm just trying to distinguish, it's like the word enough should not be used so loosely to be like being enough for someone else. That shouldn't be a thing. Like you're not, because a lot of things, whether it's, it's, relationship whether it's like service is like the word that keeps resounding in my mind is that like people talk about doing philanthropy or um like having a a spiritual understanding of who who they are and it's like the greatest among you will serve but it's like if you're really about serving like when it comes to service no one's ever concerned with the servant i don't know if that makes sense and it's like but if we don't if we don't have a clear understanding of like, you have to have a capacity to serve in order to not need to be validated by the service you're providing, then you don't conflate my enough, my self-worth, my whatever I think this is, like my soundness is tied in direct relationship to what I can do, what I can provide, what I can give. So it's like, that's where I'm like, I hear what you're saying. And although like my face may say differently, it's like, I have to be okay with not having to have my way. Well, we also have to remember, I have to, I have to articulate it based on my experience. Right. Right. And for me, um, to be honest, the the other major question, like I tell people all the time, is that, you know, in that moment I was dealing with, you know, being enough. And but it's really removing this concept of being enough or not being enough from your psyche, period. Okay. (laughs) well, wait, 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 because whenever you say it, I feel like it just goes over my head. But it's Mm -hmm. like when you say being enough, it's like being enough for what? That's that's the question that keeps coming to my mind. It's like, okay, you're being enough. So like, I guess when you go to like, is it the word being? No, it's like, it's, it's just the word like being enough. Like, what does that, and it's like, I don't know if it's like a a jujitsu, I'm kind of playing with myself or like a a mental thing where it's like, okay, like if I give you a dollar and you ask for a dollar, that's enough change. Right. Correct. I so got it's you. like, I'm not going to be able to be like, oh, okay, like I don't have enough change today, but I'm just going to come here and take this. It's like, yes, there are expectations that we hold. Have to be. Yeah. Yeah. There, ha- there has to yeah. be a standard, but it's like, if the standard is corrupted or if the standard is not clear, that's a problem. Correct. And that's where I'm like, okay, like the standard of it's comp it maybe it's simple and it's like i'm convoluting the simple but no no it's no, like, no 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 so, so there, there's is, gotta be a difference from like the standard of like how you do life to here's all the extra things that just keep getting added onto it again like that moving target like so so here here's the best way i can't say the best way because i haven't really thought about it until you brought it up mm-hmm. um <laughs> but if i hear you correctly mm-hmm. the the one of the things that I think when we talk about being enough, mm-hmm. I have a I have a, a a frame of reference of the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. So whoever he, he, I, 
you know, whoever sees this, sometimes people like, oh, he's going to start talking, you know, preaching. No, no I'm just, using a reference do, to do what you do. Explain. Yeah. You know right. I mean, cause that's what I got. Yeah. So Adam and Eve sins, mm -hmm. right? God asked Adam or he, you know, yeah. He asked the man, where are you? Mm -hmm. Adam says, I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid, mm -hmm. right? Why would you hide? Because he believed he was going to be rejected by God mm -hmm. because he didn't meet the standard. And the standard was don't eat of this tree. Mm -hmm. So because he didn't eat, meet the standard, he believed he was going to be rejected. Mm -hmm. What happens when we don't meet standards is we get rejected and we fear that. Right. And that's the thing that when we talk about the young lady, right, and you you were able to point out she's not mm -hmm. enough for her mom because mm -hmm. what she was experiencing from her mom her whole life was rejection. Okay, right. That was her perception of her experience because whenever someone was talked about that was good, it was her brother. Mm -hmm. Her brother became the standard of acceptance. And because she couldn't do what he did or she didn't do things that he had done, Mm -hmm. She felt like she was being rejected. Right. So when I say being enough, right, mm -hmm. in the context of what I talked about in terms of why I couldn't make this program work, yeah. right, it was these reoccurring messages that I received that created this belief mm -hmm. that had all kinds of su support from experiences that I had mm -hmm. that I was going to experience doing something and it not being enough, mm -hmm. meaning someone was going to have a problem with it and reject me for it. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Right. And in well, that sense, it was you are not OK with the fact that you're not enough. And that's what's driving you to do all these things. Right. It's this. You know, what I mean, so I hope well, that gives it, clarity. it helps. It helps. And I, I guess maybe the, the thing to add on to it, it's like even going back to the Adam and Eve story, I, I found it interesting hearing from different people and even someone that like is good at expressing symbolism and something in that story and kind of being able to distinguish, um, I'd say man's standard versus like God's standard or like a Correct. A, a higher standard that maybe goes past time, but is also fair in a sense, because it's like people can be flaky, whether they're your parents, they're your siblings, they're your significant others, like people are people. But in that story, it's that, yes, he hid because he knew he didn't meet the standard. And it's like in him not meeting the standard, he's not wrong. He did get kicked out because it's like you're asked not to do this. You did it anyways, and you tried to cover up, but it's like, I'll, I'll just leave that there. I don't want to go too deep in that because mm -hmm. I, I may not be able to Put work through that. Right. Yep. But it's like, I think there's a, there's a truth in that. And it's like the, the hiding part, it's not, how would I say this? It's not unnatural because it's like you, usually it's like if a, if a kid or even if an adult does something wrong, like the immediate instinct is to hide because mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you're wrong, but it's like, it's very rare for people to, or it's very rare to, for myself to be like, okay, I made a mistake. Let me own up to it. But it's like, there is, there's something to be said that like, when you do something, you face the consequences mm -hmm. because that speaks to more of like who, who you are. It's like kind of going back to dealing with the failure. You're not going to, you don't need to get everything perfect because that, that can also come out as the message to be like, okay, that my goal is not to sin. And it's like, no, it's not that you don't sin. It's that, and this, this is where maybe I, 
I'm stopping again, where it's like the goal isn't not to sin because I I know for myself growing up as a as a preacher's kid, as a Christian, and and even finding my way back into it now and trying to understand like what did I misunderstand? What do I need to unlearn and relearn something properly to be able to use that lesson and apply myself in it? Is that okay? Um, if there's a standard that you don't meet, when you don't when I don't meet it, the best thing to do is not to run and hide. The best thing I can probably do is to face it. It's not going to be pleasant because I know I wasn't right, but it's like better for me to like own up to it rather than try to cover that thing up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's simple, but it's harder. It's harder done than said, because it's like you you have to deal with the consequences that come. And then again, with when you're talking about your your client and dealing with okay mom may have this perspective or she may have this this is the best child or it might even be a misunderstanding it's where a it's misunderstanding. like oh, right and going back to the perception thing it's like instead of addressing it head on like you might not feel as powerful being a 10-year-old child or 15-year-old child, and you constantly have to hear this programming but even like as i speak to my parents now present day i'm starting to address those little things that parents say where it's like they say things that are supposed to be encouraging but if i'm not receiving it as that going back to the mechanics that you're talking about learning how to talk through them i'm learning how to address the conflict to say hey this is a boundary I'm putting up. Like, I'm not going to take your words in this conversation, take them home with me and deliberate about like, oh, I I really wanted to give you a piece of my mind. It's like, no, what I'm going to do right now is respectfully say, no, I don't accept that. Perhaps here's why, or just no, I don't accept that. Like no is enough of a sudden it's just to be like, okay, I don't like that. I'm not taking it (laughs) kind of like, as I've been constantly pushing back in our conversation just to be like what you could be saying a month from now a year from now might make perfect sense to me when I listen back to it but I'm pushing back in a sense not to just be rebellious but to speak up for myself and just be like that that's not clear in my head and it's like even after we get off the call it's like I may still need to like dig through process. that. But, yeah. Right. I still need to process that. But the thing that I'm also accepting is that like, I don't have to have everything processed right now. And it's like, and even saying that and having this dialogue, it's like, I might not get it, but that's okay. Like, I don't have to get it. I don't have to be enough of a host, so to speak in this, in this framework. Like I don't yep. have to be the Oh, like if you're at this level, if you're at this age, you, you're supposed to be like the genie. Like, no, you got to pull I, it out of them and you got to right. make yeah, it. Do do. <laughs> I don't have to do that. It's like what I'm really striving to do is like have like a clear conversation to where I'm like, hey, Charles, is there something that we're missing here? Like, am I misunderstanding you or like, are you fleshing this thing out the way that you're saying? And it's like at the end of it, I'm like, OK, we we went here. We went there. I think we kind of we're we're and we're and like as you're and I'm speaking still fl- back and, I, and I, I love the question you asked i'm still flushing it out right mm-hmm. because that was just that was a moment that i had that freed me right 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 the the like even, beauty yeah go ahead. You, you go ahead the beauty of this is that we get to see so so we were talking about relating right and one of the things that i'm i'm being i'm i'm learning how to do everyone 
is is trying to get to a particular place, but they may have to take a different route because they're coming from a different place. If you're coming from California and you're going to Chicago and I'm coming from Boston and I'm going to the same place in Chicago, we are not going to take the same route. It's not possible. Right. So you're going to experience and see certain things. <laughs> it might I mean, be you possible, could, but it's not going to be pleasant. It's not convenient. <laughs> right. So you, 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 you're going to experience certain things on your route that I just wouldn't experience. There's going to be construction at certain places. You're going to see mountains that I probably wouldn't see coming. Right. So you're going to have different experiences. The, the thing that is dope about this conversation is that when we look at a place of, when we're in a place of conf confusion or a lack of clarity, right? Yeah. You felt free enough to be able to say to me, Hey, can you speak in the first person, mm -hmm. right? And I, because I feel like I know you and I have a relationship with you, mm -hmm. I didn't feel, yeah. it wasn't because of what you said or how you said it. Mm -hmm. It was because I know in and of yourself, from my experience, Asher is not rude and disrespect. I don't know you as someone who is rude and disrespect. So I can't even I can't even picture or ascribe to you. Right. That nature. So because of that, I now know he means something. He's trying to communicate something. Oh, not only is he trying to communicate something, he's not clear about something about you. And you need to explain that. That's why I went and said, you know, I speak the way that I speak because I speak from a place of what I believe. That makes sense. Right. If I'm going to, I could be politically correct, but that yeah. would be inauthentic. It's like, I'm asking, help me get to Chicago. <laughs> like I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in Georgia, like, I'm in South Georgia. You're near Atlanta. Like, help me get to Atlanta. Let's not even go to Chicago. Like, do I take this route? Like, what's the traffic report looking like? Correct. Right. So, but I, again, I think the goal, one of the goals, I won't say the entire goal. One of the goals is to be able to relate to someone so that when they do say something that's you can't interpret, you take the time to identify what they mean because you know that they're not coming from a harmful place. That's the because if I know that you're naturally that, that's not even, you know, he's not trying to be offensive or, or whatever, then I'm going to relate to you differently than if I think that that's who you are. Right. It, it, it's yeah. it's yeah. just because of the relationship, the perception is depending on the type of relationship you have, mm -hmm. the perception is going to be uh, uh, one thing versus another thing in regards to what you say. So, you know, being able to have this discord, um, this discussion and being able to hear the questions that you're asking, being able to hear how would someone because I've never really shared this with anyone else. I think I think I shared it with my uncle once like yesterday. But this is a new you when you ask me, you know, what have I learned? These are new things that I'm learning as I'm looking back and I'm realizing like, yo, humility plays a major part in and how you, you know, you got to practice that. And it's like, well, how does that look practically? You need to let people go in front of you driving as a practical. Right. And then being able to seek first to understand what is this person saying that right there is hard. Because I want to be understood. If I feel, if I feel like I'm never, no one ever takes the time to understand me. I'm the one who's always asking the questions. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to, you know, like you said, you know, earlier, you're going to be like, nah, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm going to make sure everybody understands me. 
Why are you doing that? Because you are coming from a place that nobody understands you. And now you're like, no, I'm not taking this anymore. Mm. It's like, no, like oh, this is about growing up. This is about being mature, right? What is this person really saying? And it's hard to do that when you have a problem. With yeah. When you're married to someone and you got a problem with them, you don't want to hear what they got. I don't care what you have to say. Like, <laughs> you need to understand me. I'm the one who feeling violated. I'm, can you put that to the side mm. and be effective? Because you're talking about having a relationship the the before you can get the sh- to the ship you got to relate mm. right can you relate that's the, the the and you can't relate if if you are if you are constantly concerned with what you want rather than what's best for the team you got to humble yourself and i i have a i have i struggle with that because i feel like but i do all the things Right. Mm-hmm. I'm doing these things. Yeah. But your heart posture is not from a place of humility mm-hmm. because you are striving to be the man. You're striving to be enough. You're trying to prove that you are enough. Mm-hmm. But if you could just accept that you don't have to be, you won't get into this com- comparison, mm-hmm. this competition and this combat to be enough, to be first, to be on top, to be the leader. One of the one of, you know, when we talk about leadership, we always talk about setting a trail and, 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 and that is one way that when we use that analogy, it creates a, again, a perception, what that means. You got to be first, you got to be out front. Right. But when I looked at leadership from a foundational standpoint, Mm -hmm. I looked at it and the image I got was a house and a house sits on a foundation. Nobody buys the house for the sake of the foundation. They appreciate the fact the foundation is there. There are a lot of houses where you don't even see the foundation. If you look at uh, at leadership from that standpoint, it takes on a whole different meaning. You're actually not out front. You're not even actually seen. They don't even look at you until something's wrong. (laughs) That's a humble place to be. Right. The thing that's hilarious <laughs> about that is basically that's that's literally the type of work that I do. And a lot of people that graduated with the same degree that we do, that is what we do. It's the work that's unseen. And it's, it's unseen like, work. Right. And it's usually like you wouldn't see us and, unless there's like a problem or something major going on. Well, no, no, it's it it depends on the like the context matters. But it's yep. like if you're seeing a um, a building like I think a few years ago, the Miami um, high rise or hotel, just like it seems like half of it just fell off. It's like that's when they start looking at who made this foundation. Exactly. Who put this in like who what? put this foundation here? Right. Right. Because that's the first thing you have to deal with before you even put this building up. Yeah. You have to lay a proper foundation. If you don't lay a proper foundation, we are going to have a problem. But when you talk about, you know, the the beauty and the nobody cares about the foundation, even well, though it. The, and again, when when you're <laughs> when you're saying that the reason that I'm catching myself. Now I can't say nobody. That, <laughs> but, well, no, it's like when even when you said nobody, I'm. I'm understanding kind of like we just talked about like how we relate to each other, how we have developed a relationship with each other. It's understanding that like you're speaking from your experience mm-hmm. and it's like me understanding. Nobody like, I know. <laughs> right. So it's like me understanding like where I'm at. That's why I'm like, there's no reason to be attached or no reason to be upset with a certain perspective that someone gives me. And that that was another thing that um, my mentor gave me is just that be attached, be detached and open to everything. So like, just be observing of what it is that happens in your environment. 
in your circle, kind of speaking to the person cutting you off. It's like, okay, yeah, someone's cutting me off, but now it's, it's in a sense, it's like, what's my mission? I'm headed to work or I'm headed home. I don't know what that person has going on. I'm grateful I was vigilant to see it. Maybe it might sound like, yeah, that for me personally, I enjoy an environment where it's controlled, an environment Mm -hmm. where it's like, I'm at peace and I don't feel that I'm constantly agitated. Some people like to be like in a get up and go type thing. And it's like, I'm learning to understand that that's fine. Like everybody doesn't need to be woosah and like, hey, let me just, (laughs) let me just bury white you or just like speak to you with the radio voice. And you just no. sometimes you do. Some people want to get turned up. Some people want to get hype. It's like, there's a time and a place for everything. Mm. And it's understanding my role at the moment that something is going. It's like, hey, I, I'm, I might just be the observer. It's like, oh, man, look at that. That was crazy. And it's like, that was something like maybe maybe now I have something to talk about or I just have something that just like, oh, this happened today. I wasn't yeah. a part of that. I hope that person's all right. Like, yep. Just move on. And it's like when you say something, I'm like, he's not he's not saying it to he's saying it to me, but it's not about me. It's not it's not something that I have to like ingest and be like, oh, what do I do with this? It's like, oh, I I can't digest this. It's like, bro, calm down. Like, See, that's the power of relationship. Right. And it's like, yeah. But like to you now begin to understand. And I'm sorry. No, you're good. Quick thought. The power of relationship and intimacy is that the more we relate, the more we become intimate, the more you know what I mean when I say certain things. That's the power so that it doesn't matter what I say because you know me. You know what I mean? If I say habla espanol and you don't speak Spanish, the problem isn't that I'm not talking and you're not listening. The problem is you don't understand what I mean. Meaning, going back to what you said, is what matters most when it comes to relationship because we're constantly having a perception about what something means and we have a perception of reality that's not actually the reality but mm-hmm. the decisions that we're making is on the perception. Right. But if, that, if you have an understanding that your perception isn't the reality, that serves you more in the actions and the decisions that you make. Because the point isn't to understand every single situation. To your point, what it means, like intimacy, I think it was explained to me, it's into me. I see. I see. Yep. So it's like when you're able to see yourself in someone else, no matter what horrific thing they do or no matter what beautiful thing they do, like if you can see yourself in a situation, you can relate to it. And something that might have offended you before or bothered you, it's like it may not bother you as much. It's like, OK, I'm not going to go do that. I'm not going to go participate in that. Mm-hmm. But now I have an understanding like I don't go here because of this reason. Yep. It's like you don't need to go and shut down every place that you're not going to go because it's like you're not going to go there for whatever reason it is that you're not going to go there. But having an understanding of what perspective you have and where it does and does not apply it saves you a world of headache. It's like there's a lot of things you don't need to consider because it's like this is my f- singular focus. And it's like when it's not, that's probably not where you need to be focused because mm-hmm. that's not your focus. It's 
again, going back to the whole reason why we need to build a better relationship with ourselves. When you don't know that, right? When you don't know enough about you to be able to say, oh, I'm I'm not, I'm not seeing the full picture. And I, I not only that, but to be able to remove I I I come from I come out of the context of emotions where you know in this personal development industry it's all mindset 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 and I say you know mindset is important but birds don't fly with one wing it's not just mindset it's also heart set where you are emotional is what's causing you to do certain things right I, I, and I didn't realize this till recently. Oftentimes your emotions cause you to act. Your thinking is what causes you not to, <laughs> right? You want to do this. You feel this thing like I'm about to go do this. And then when you think about it, the actual aspect of processing keeps you from acting on what you feel, right? And being able to uh, 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 nav- not navigate, but pull these things apart and see the inner workings. How does How is that... The beautiful thing for me is being able to stop knowing that there are times when I miss information. You know that about yourself. And because you know that about yourself, you can stop and say, okay, what did I miss? I'm upset about something, but usually when I get upset about something, something will come out where it was, I missed some particular information. Now I'm armed with changing my behavior with, you know what? Let me first ask myself if I missed something. Let me go back and say, okay, you said this. And when you said this, I heard this. Is that what you meant? Mm. Right. Why? Because I know myself. I know that I can miss certain. I process information really quick, but because I process information really quick, I can miss some information. And it's like, this is the power of building a better relationship with you. I, <laughs> I tell people, uh, multi-trillion dollar companies, mm-hmm. right? This my my my, my thing for building self-awareness um, is journaling, you know, journaling or voice recording, something you can write down or, you know, get it out of your system. And I learned the, that, you know, I've been journaling for 22 years um, and I was watching a documentary and I realized multi-billion dollar companies journal, Facebook, Google, Amazon, they're all collecting data, right? They're co- yeah. collecting data on what you do, when you do it, how you did it, how much you spent doing it, how much time you did it with. Why? Because they're trying to figure out what's causing you to do what you do. That's all That's journaling. Right. <laughs> right. So I'm like, I hadn't put those two things together. <laughs> like, huh. They're journaling. Right. So I'm like, yo, if they're, if Bill, if multi-trillion dollar companies spend billions of dollars to journal about you, mm-hmm to know you better than anything, shouldn't you spend some time knowing yourself? Like if you're armed with knowing why you do what you do, you are more empowered and equipped to keep from being influenced by all these messages you're getting. So, and and it's not a bad thing, but when you, we're gonna go back to it, when you asked to to, uh, uh, use the first person, Mm-hmm. That's the equivalent of some, you know I mean, I could have felt pressured. Well, let me, you know, out of respect. Mm-hmm. No, just it's not even about standing your ground. It's about explain to him why you do what you do. Because if you change why you're doing what you're doing, you're not changing because you believe it's the right thing to do. You're changing because someone pressured you because he asked you to do something in that moment. And you, 
in that moment and you forgot why you do what you do. It's like, no, the reason why you do that is because you speak from a place of like, this is what I believe. Right. Well, and and, and the, the point I'm making is that yeah. is this. oftentimes people fold under pressure because they don't know why they're doing what they're doing. True. And oftentimes people also react under pressure because they don't allow themselves to take that time like you did and say, like, let me let me pause, like, let me think about this. Yeah. And not let my emotion drive me all the way to just do a thing because, and also that like you brought up trillion dollar companies and um, the funny thing about it, like being introduced to like paradigms and seeing like your paradigms driving paradigms, drive actions, which drive results, which create emotions, which kind of reinforce the paradigms that we keep. <laughs> it's a big and, circle. Right, right. It's like and this. it's like the only way that you can interrupt that is to consider um, from the paradigm you currently have, like kind of going the reverse, like what is the, I might've mixed up the emotion and the results, but it's like, okay, if you know you're getting a certain result and that has, hasn't been serving you to this point, the best thing you could probably do is just say, okay, what would it be like to get something else? And even if you don't know what something else would be, it's like, okay, what would it be like to not get what I have been getting? Like, what would that make me feel emotionally? Like, what what would that actually drive out of me? And like, what would I have to actually physically do that I would be willing to do or mentally do that I would not only that I can do it, but I'm willing to do it and that I would actually follow through and do it. And then how would that change the story that will be my past tomorrow? Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's not a, a simple process per, to say, but I, I bring that up to say like, that's what they call. It's like the 1%, like 1% of people actually think. And it's like another 1% think about the people that think, or they like, they maybe consider it or flirt with it. And then mm -hmm. the other 98% of the world kind of just ebbs and flows with what, what happens, what they feel. Yeah. And it's like, it's not, it's, it's not uncommon. Mm. It's just, it's kind of how, we, how would we say it's like the world, it's the way things have been and the way they, they continue to be. But I do see whether the numbers line up or not through something like a podcast, I do see concerted efforts of people taking the time, even like pandemic induced or pre-pandemic or post-pandemic. It's like, there does seem to be a concerted effort of people being conscious to say, okay, what is the outcome that I want? Maybe they are seeking a fulfillment in a sense of like, okay, if I have this, I'll be enough. But then you do have people that are successful or in the sense that like they said they wanted to do something and they met that goal. And then they've continued to work towards or work. Like if you're doing, I'm doing vertical, like you're climbing a ladder, if you're just walking a field horizontally, but it's like, I see people learning to broaden their horizons and it, it's also helping me to broaden my horizon, like you were saying, and being able to journal and collect data on yourself and really have relationship and conversations where you can interact with other people and you you get to like compare experiences. And then it's like, okay, like, does this conversation validate what I'm doing? Like, is it meaningful? Is like, is, is the path that I'm on still worthwhile? If so, mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go on about my day, but I'm going to go about my day with an intention that what I'm doing has meaning to it. Mm -hmm. But as I'm going through what I'm going through, I'm still going to con continue collecting data on myself because I better that I 
place it somewhere so I don't burden myself with the constant because it's it's hard to think like going through that process like am I gonna rethink every single thing it's like you're gonna sit down for a minute unless like you you're just gonna record this and that and it's like it's like you're you're at a buffet and you're constantly like taking taste of this taste of that taste of this taste of that it's like you're never gonna get up and go anywhere because you're just eating or like you're eating on the move okay I got I got this I got that it's like yeah yeah for me it, it helps to down download at times like these are just like having that blank sheet of paper and just jotting down even things that don't seem like they make any sense. And then out of the blue, one day you're minding your own business and something kind of just clicks because it's like it's been put away. It's been allowed to process. It's been allowed to um, be marinate, marinate, tooled Mm -hmm. and retooled. And it's just like, okay, like however it happens, it's it's like a constant process that at at many times it, it just happens to be a a happy surprise where it's like oh like wow that's those two things actually connected and like as you were saying (laughs) it I was literally like I was like should I bring up your book or should I and I was like let me I was getting ready to put stuff away to to move here soon and I'm just looking and I was like you know from a conversation I had last week with Barry it was like dude just breathe Mm. and it's like all right we're back Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's like just doing that kind of reminds me that you're still here mm-hmm. and you have the ability to keep keep going from this point. It's like you don't have to have it all right now. And that that has been, you know, again, as I as I come become more comfortable with that truth. Um it just it plays out in so many different ways, right? Like we make a mistake on a podcast or whatever. It's like, oh man, I gotta start over. It's like, no, just okay, fine. You, just keep going. Like, why are we stopping and now have to do the whole thing over? You know, it, um, you know, you, 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 I know for me playing basketball, one, I was telling my son this the other day and I didn't think about it. Um, I didn't think about it in terms of the context of being enough, but I used to tell him like, no, you know, I had this thing where I had to hit 10 free throws in a row before I could leave the basketball court. And what I didn't tell him um, was that even when I hit 10 free throws in a row, it wasn't enough. I would have to do it again just to prove to myself that that wasn't a fluke. And then after I did it again, right, Mm -hmm. I would have to do it again just to say, yeah, I mean, it was just like, yo, even 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 in something that has nothing to do with anybody else, mm-hmm. the 10 in a row wasn't enough. You had to do it again to prove that the 10 that you just did wasn't a, a, a rhythm thing and you just got into a rhythm. And then when you did it again, mm-hmm. you had to prove again, what is this thing with you improving? Mm-hmm. It causes these types of questions to come up out of you. Yeah. Right. And, you know, all of that begins like a lot of that, the shackles of trying to be enough fell off. It's like, no, you did 10. All right, go home. Or you did 10 again. All right, go home. Why? You know I mean, you don't have yeah. to keep proving to yourself or trying to prove to yourself that you're enough. Yeah. Well, and I, I guess, again, to just keep pushing on that, it's like the thing you point to is having that dialogue and getting an understanding of that's what. It what you're doing because even I, I I think I said maybe earlier why and it's like again looking at paradigms and things and trying to understand how or what led to the paradigm may be easier to get to than why because it's almost right. like why feels like that that judgment to be like it's right or wrong. It's like not necessarily it's like if you if if um many people may strive to become like Kobe Bryant, like Kobe Bryant 
strive to become Michael Jordan. Like Michael Jordan tried to become, that's the extent of my basketball knowledge. Like <laughs> I know there are people that he strived to become like maybe as Wilt Chamberlain or um, people before and before and yep. before. It's like strive, like striving to become like someone could be admirable. But it's like, again, when you're able to really sit down and understand that this thing that I was chasing wasn't what was going to fulfill that thing within, it's like, that's not a loss necessarily. It's it's a lesson. And it's like what, what you do with the lesson helps you move forward. Yeah. Because what, what you don't want to do is fall into yourself. And that that's why I kept pushing back is that like the last thing you want to do is fold into yourself and be like, okay, I'm not enough. I'm never going to be enough and nothing's going to come out of it because that doesn't serve you either. Yeah, because that's not the message. Right. And it's yeah. like, if you get anything, it's allow yourself to have a dialogue to understand yourself. That's, that is, that is always the primary aim because like you said, you go after this goal and you get it, but it doesn't, it's still not enough. It doesn't fulfill whatever it is that you were trying to fulfill. It didn't fulfill it. So what is at the root of what is at the root of all this? And for me, um, just the way in which I have learned to be, it started with family members, right? I was watching, my family was on drugs and I would watch how their behavior would shift. I'm like, one day you're like this and the next day you're like this. And in a, you know, in my household and a lot of black households, you couldn't ask adults why they're doing what they're doing. Like that's a no, no. So you just got to kind of figure it out. And I would, I would watch and I would watch and I would watch. And I began really begin to understand, oh, they're doing it for this reason or they're doing. But then I started asking myself, why are you doing what you're doing? Cause I didn't know. I couldn't understand why I was jumping in and out of relationships. I would be in a relationship in December and by February it would be over or I'd be in a relationship six to eight months and, and, and then I would be in another relationship. I was going, it's it like, okay. like the, the cuffing season pattern. <laughs> yeah. It was like, okay, what is this? I couldn't, again, I couldn't keep a job for longer than nine months. Why can't you keep a job for longer than nine months? What's going, something is going on and it's not about what's going on outside of you. Something is going on internally. And I just began to constantly look and look and look. And again, I came across that book um, having put into practice seven habits, having gotten more confidence and all these different things that it had, like I put it into practice, that one thing, it was like, I constantly had to do, and there was nothing wrong with the doing. It was right. just that the a lot of people talk about being intentional, right? right. But you, you can't be intentional about everything. Some things just has to be, or I, I use the word organic, but really it's, it's routine. Mm. Right? If I got to sit there and consciously think about breathing. Yeah. <laughs> right. That that's gonna be a hard thing to do. But when I looked at what Until he was about right. per perception, yeah. it was like, yo, if you changed your perception, you wouldn't have to work as hard as you do when it comes to the doing, mm. because you're trying to, you're operating inconsistent with what you believe. That's why it's so hard. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, how do I change that? And the book never gave me a, a recipe for that. Mm. I never, I was, when you read the book, there's no recipe for changing your perception. He just said that he did it. He and his wife, he said it took a lot of faith, a lot of prayer, but they had to change their perception about, and, and, the, and, and going through the, the book, I mean, mm -hmm. you, you do change some things about yourself, but 
it was just like, yo, if I can help people change their perception, then their behavior automatically changes. I saw it in my own life. When my perception changed about certain people, my behavior, he talks about it in the story. Now, the last story, but Mm -hmm. he talks about in the story on a train where there's a guy who is gets on the train with his kids. His kids are rambunctious. Mm. They're walking around, slapping people's newspapers. And he's sitting next to the the guy who's their father. And he's like looking around like, yo, he's not going to do nothing about this. Like Mm. he's frustrated that these kids are walking around doing whatever. And the father's sitting there. He's not saying. So he kind of nudges my man like, yo, your kids are, you know, they're acting up. Can you do something about it? Like, what is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. And the guy kind of comes to and he says, oh, man, you know, we just came from the hospital where their mother died. And I don't know. They don't know how to handle it. And I guess I don't know how to either. He said that his whole demeanor changed. He was frustrated because his perception was this dude is being willfully ignorant to what his children are doing. That was mm-hmm. his perception. That was the context or the meaning he derived from the context of what he thought he was experiencing. Mm-hmm. But when new information came about what the real context was in his wife's death, his heart went out to this man, mm-hmm. his behavior towards him. Now he's asking, man, how can I help? Whole demeanor changed. Yeah. Why? Because his perception changed. And his perception changed when new information came. And that's why I'm always talking about building a better relationship with yourself and using journaling, because you can pull out new information that may not have been there when you were in it and you were surrounded with all the emotion mm-hmm. about how you felt about it. You know, so that makes sense. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> I like it. Uh, <laughs> going kind of going back, I'll, I'll get you out of here with this question, but um, feel free to follow up. Um, mm-hmm. Going back to the first question I asked you, are you still who you? You said you were? No, no. I mean, l- let me rephrase that. I'm still a husband, still a father. My name is still Charles Irving, still from Boston. I am still living in Georgia. The content of my character is changing. Um, the process through which I go through to gain understanding is changing. In fact, I'm working on going through the process. I'm working on uh, not allowing myself to emotionally engage in things that are offensive, right? trying to practice where the word says it is to your glory to overlook an offense. Why? Because if you give your energy to that, you're going to be focused on that rather than focused on something else. And again, you're upset based on what you perceive to happen, not necessarily what's actually happening. So my character is changing and the word character, from what I understand, comes from the Greek word, which means to chisel. If you take a a blank uh, 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 piece of rock, right? And you see people chisel something out of it. That's what's happening. It's leaving a mark and it's uh, 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 shaping who I am in terms of what I think, what I feel, what I believe, what I I desire and how I behave. Those five areas that make up who I am are changing and becoming more mature and how I relate to myself and how I relate to people so that the quality of my life and um, my relationships are getting better. Um, So I am who I am, but the nature and the characteristics of who I am are becoming more and more clear. I love it. Enjoy your you're very thoughtful. Um, let people know where they can find you online or offline. Oh, okay. So you can find me at um, on Instagram at coached by Charles Irving, coached, C-O-A-C-H-D-B-Y-C-H-A-R-L-E-S-I-R-V-I-N-G. I know that's kind of long, but it is what it is. <laughs> and then you can find me on Facebook at Charles Irving 
Um, and my email is coached by Charles Irving at gmail.com. Love it. Thank you, Mr. Irving. This was a pleasure having you on the podcast and uh, I'll have you on many more times. This is a great I'm conversation. I'm looking forward to it, man. I greatly appreciate it. And um, I remember, man, when I remember, and, and this is just such a, <laughs> you know, I'm so proud of you. You know, Thank I remember you. when it was difficult for you to kind of put yourself out there. And, you know, for years, you were just a quiet dude who just, you know, you kept to yourself, didn't want to necessarily say much. And you're still a, a, a gentle giant, a gentle soul. But I'm just so proud of um, you and taking the risk to start this podcast, the the consistency with which you have um, delivered it and um, your just willingness, man, to grow and develop and put yourself in places that allow you to become more of who you are and showcase that to the world. So I'm honored to be on here, man. And, you know, as always, anytime you need me, I'm there. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 